We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Like Kobe in the fourth quarter. This is the Dane Moore NBA podcast brought to you by Blue Wire Podcasts. Our presenting sponsor is BetUS, a place for you to wager on the games with the NBA Finals here at BetUS. They have great payouts, the industry's biggest bonuses, and every bet type you could dream of. You can join now by calling 1-800-69-BETUS or online at BetUS.com. Get a sign-up bonus of 125% by using the promo code DANE125. BetUS, you bet, you win, you get paid. I'm going to bring Britt Robson of The Athletic in here shortly to react to and discuss Gerson Rosa's middle-of-the-off-season press conference he had earlier this week. Uh, but before we get to that, I want to let you know kind of what the plan is for the pod here through the month of July. And that plan is that we will be back to our three episodes per week cadence through the rest of this month. Obviously, things are relatively quiet on the Timberwolves front at the moment. But as I record this on Thursday, we're exactly three weeks away from the draft and then three days after that, uh, the NBA free agency begins. And a week after that, Summer League is starting in Vegas. So relevant Wolves news is coming. But in the meantime, these next three weeks, I'll be focusing on the NBA Finals with Britt some. And then Wildeberg and I will start knocking off some more of those film reviews of the top prospects in this upcoming draft. You can look for a Jalen Green and Jonathan Kaminga film review that will be posting on Friday. And then, of course, if anything Wolves relevant pops up, I'll get to that as well. With the Wolves, something always seems to happen. And hopefully that something will be much more encouraging than Anthony Edwards spraining his ankle out in Vegas. Man. Anyways, thanks for sticking with the pod. Let's bring in Britt and parse through kind of the tea leaves of Gerson Rosa's press conference that happened on Tuesday. All right, so the Minnesota Timberwolves are hosting this weekend what is functionally a second NBA draft combine at Target Center, Mayo Clinic Square, downtown Minneapolis. And with that uh, came the opportunity for those of us in the local media, Bert Robson, myself, everyone else on the beat, to have kind of a rare mid-offseason press conference with the Wolves president of basketball operations, Gerson Rosas. Rosas talked about the event, um, you know, Fielded many questions, though, about just the offseason in general, roster construction trades, all those type of things. Britt, you and I haven't really had the chance uh, to talk about this presser or anything. So I want to get up the questions that you brought up specifically to Rosas, but just generally. Britt Robson of The Athletic, what's up? 
what were your general takeaways from uh, this Gerson Rosa's press conference? I think it was a public relations smokescreen. Uh, you know, a lot of it uh, in terms of the fact that uh, they don't have a pick. Um, and, you know, that that's not good news. The reason they don't have a pick is because they kind of uh, whiff that aspect of the uh, D'Lo Wiggins deal. Although, you know, many people could argue, I could even argue credibly that, you know, the deal might still get made anyway. Uh, but I think relevance is something that uh, Rosas understands the Wolves need in this market. Um, it seems like a pretty good opportunity with the Twins in a swoon and hockey off and everything else. Um, and also to kind of remind people that, hey, Rosas's claim to fame is I'm the guy who's constantly pushing to upgrade this roster. I'm Mr. Active. Uh, I don't leave a stone unturned. And he really wanted to make that impression in various ways during this uh, press conference. Uh, he pretty much said, we're having it so that I can talk trades with other people. He did. Um, and he also pretty much said that everything is on the table. He mentioned free agency in terms of signs and trades. So, you know, that's how pretty much the only way they're going to get free agents of any consequence. Yeah. And so, and he talks about, you know, just because we don't have a pick now doesn't mean we're not going to be there when it happens. And, you know, so there wasn't ever a time where he tried to slow things down where he, he, he said what could have been a logical thing to say, which was we finally had some stability at the end of last year under a new coach. And we began to make slow, but sure strides with the existing personnel. I'm kind of curious to see how that personnel continues to gel under uh, my handpicked coach, Chris Finch, and uh, then we'll negotiate from there. Instead, the message was, you know. We're trading. We're going to make a trade. <laughs> maybe we can blow this thing up after all, you know. Right. So, so I guess that was kind of what, as I'm leaving it, and just kind of going through the transcripts and, and my notes or whatever. And I think I wrote trade down like 11 different times. And so I, I guess what I started thinking about was like, what, what if they don't make a trade this off season, you know, uh -huh. right. what, like, which what, I think what, is, what? I, I think is, uh, unless you're talking about something on the margins, like seventh, seventh man and a second round pick for, you know, some guy. Yeah. I, I think, I think that's, probably going to happen but but the implication was more like we're talking to the Sixers we Sixers every day about Ben Simmons and this and that and all that right. and and I think it's just objectively the more likely path is that they don't make that big trade I'm not saying not ruling it out obviously anything right, right. anything could happen but um I yeah I think this will age kind of poorly if the roster does end up being largely very similar, which is increasingly seeming to me from what I'm hearing to be the most likely path for the Timberwolves is that they, it's pretty much, this is the group. Yeah. And I think again, it's better to not make a deal than make a bad deal. And for sure. Yeah. And I also think that, um, 
you don't know yet. I mean, all right, yeah, Ben Simmons obviously um, is a prize that uh, should be coveted by this organization and should require an extensive realignment of the roster, you know, an extensive. I mean, obviously, at least two of your core personnel, unless you're going to just mortgage your draft picks into the end of the decade. And so that's a big ask. I think Rosas has the stones to do it. But again, I think there's a lot of teams around the league that can offer more and also uh, excite Simmons more. And so I think what is, what's going to come out of this, I don't think it's going to necessarily age badly or backfire because all Rosas really has to do is say, Hey, you know, we did our due diligence. We tried really hard. We got into extensive talks with everybody. And, you know, that can be confirmed by the various, you know, gnomes around the league, the <laughs> Woj and his brethren, you know, but uh, it, at the same time, you know, that's okay. I'm, I'm far more interested, quite frankly, to, to, I've been saying this for a while now, the two most important changes between this time last year and now are that we have an idea that Anthony Edwards could be something special and Chris Finch is a pretty good coach. Uh, I'm kind of curious to see how the ongoing status quo affects that. I'm I'm particularly interested to see um, if they do go status quo, you know, what we are looking at in terms of frontline defense, uh, which it remains, you know, the great white whale of the Rosas regime to some extent, you know. Yeah, no, for sure. I, those are the those are the two discernible positives that have come, you know, come to pass over the past twelve months. Is Anthony Edwards, you know, looks legit. Knock on wood about this sprained ankle or whatever. Right, right. Uh, I mean, but <laughs> I, I think whatever. <laughs> If you play basketball at all, you know that it's you get a group of 10, 15 guys together to play a pickup or work out together. It's like one in every four times you do that, somebody leaves hobbling massively with a sprained ankle. That's just right. kind of right. not not to say, you know, who knows? Maybe maybe it's terrible, but I, I think anybody knows that this could be something very a <laughs> terrible sprained ankle still doesn't knock him out of opening day. It does. Yeah further the narrative that oh he doesn't have it you know no summer league no preseason ta-da, ta-da, yeah. Ta-da. yeah all right that's fine you know i mean that you know it didn't seem to bother ant that much quite frankly uh you know right. a, a lot a lot more could have been made out of holding jared culver out of summer league when he could have played in summer league if ever a guy needs some seasoning in summer league it seems to be jared culver so anyway uh right. I, I i think that the Edwards sprained ankle. It reminds me, you know, remember last year when uh, the Timberwolves weren't going to be in the bubble and they did get some workouts and we got like, yeah, 90, yeah. we got 90 second clips of practice and people began <laughs> to like parse. Oh, he looks good. You know, going Jared there. Vanderbilt. there was a lot of Jared Vanderbilt <laughs> talk. <though. laughs> and actually that actually rebuts my Predilection because I was saying, you know, what do you get out of this stuff? As it turned out, Jared Vanderbilt was one of those, you know, maybe not a diamond in the rough, but a, a shiny piece of copper in the rough, at least. You know? 
Yeah, uh, and then I mean, you bring you bring up Finch too. I think like is this where I like stand on this team in in trying to see the glass half full. Like those are the two big things floating in the water are Ant right. and, and Finch, um, and then obviously they have you know they have they have good players outside of that and Cat sure. and Delo, but um, you can just you can just look at Ant and Finch and they are like for sure or seemingly for sure long term kind of pieces of right. of whatever you know whatever this is and I know a coach doesn't always last forever but with Ant if he's going to sign a max extension someday he's on the team for eight more years from today. Right, so, right. so he's like for sure in the water finishes in the water. Cat is, you know, cat is too. And we'll, we'll see where that all goes, but kind of what, what Rosa's almost seemed to acknowledge in this is like, yeah, everything else is, is going to change. And we're actively trying to make it change. I think the question is, as we, as we play, like, believe it or not is, you know, how, how true is this? How, how, how true is this? assertion of we're we're getting super active versus how much is this a protection over the fact that optically it looks very bad that a team that just won 23 games last season does not have their first round pick does not have their second round pick and has no (laughs) no real business dealing with the draft at all here coming up right right in in a few weeks and I think as always it's it's a little bit of both and and I I see I guess when I see positives in this event happening, I, I don't look at the, the trade stuff as much. I what, what I think is great about it is you are showing players, executives, whoever, that like the Minnesota facilities are good because Mayo Clinic right, Square is good. Right, Target Center right. is bad. But yep. you got a good setup here. Minneapolis in the summertime is legit like right this is a this is a nice place to be i mean you you know from when we've talked to other guys in the locker room over there's like why the hell do you guys live here like right. like well right. you're only here for the six months when it sucks and so i i think i i really do believe there's value in that when you talk about future trades future whatever down the line and you are just kind of from rosa's perspective you're kind of showing people that hey we're a professional organization right now. That might not have always been the case in the past. Right. Like we are doing um, modern things and things that some other organizations aren't. So, so that that's kind of where where I see the value in it. I don't think people need to come to town for a second combine to be able to hammer out the protections on a trade for Ben right. Simmons. I don't think right. I don't think Elton Brand needs to roll through here for that to get hammered out. But um, yeah, it's it's an opportunity to have some some face to face contact. It's just not the kind of the main piece of value I see in it. Well, and it what may work out. I mean, Rosas obviously uh, has contacts and people around the league. Uh, Morey is with you know the you know the Sixers and et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and I do think that there are guys that just treat rosters like Rubik's cubes and, you know, just want to keep uh, spinning things to see when all the same color can happen. And, and I think Rosas is one of those guys, you know? And so uh, I think therefore, if you get a couple of those guys in, even if they're just, you know, uh, you know, scratching each other's itch for a while and nothing comes of it, you get a sense 
you know, the more you talk about basketball with executives of teams, the more you derive the best kind of intelligence to some extent, which is uh, what somebody in a position of power actually thinks of some guy, even if that guy isn't on either one of their totally, teams. Totally, man. You totally. Know? I mean, that's what happened with, like, Covington. Right. The, the, that trade started – the negotiations on that trade started when Rosas got here. Right. And he wasn't, and he wasn't traded for, you know, a whole right fifty games into uh, like nine months from the right. time Rosas took over. So there is that 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 does happen. I think we don't always the gnomes don't always tell us that, right? And, and because the gnomes don't get the really good stuff, the gnomes <laughs> get you know what the agents want them to get or what right. you know uh, the gnomes are just functionaries, you know. <laughs> Highly paid functionaries. <laughs> well, that's because there's a, a craven audience of people that, you know, care less about the games than what might happen to the games. And, and you know, that's a, a big, con- understandably, I think, a big contingent of Timberwolves fans is that is the game here, right? And particularly at this time of year, like, we're not going to go back and, like, break down a Wolves-Blazers game from February or something. The, right. the analysis to be applied and the fun stuff to talk about is what can they do? What can they do with this roster so that, so that it gets better? And I know last time we talked, um, you know, you were of the mind that if they just roll it out there with this group next year, they're 41 win team, they 500, whatever. Um, I'm not, I, I, I don't, I don't see it to be that way. So well, that not- was just, you know, mostly their ceiling in fairness to me. I don't think that, you know, I, I wasn't saying they're going to be a 50 win team. If everything, no, 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 no 500, I know that's what I mean though. If everything breaks right, they're fifty. They're a forty-one win team. Oh, I thought you said forty-one wins was like your prediction. No, I would not say forty-one wins. I would say that if, I mean, let's face it. That's why I went. Oh, 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 no, no, no. Uh, Well, I mean, I'd have to go back and listen to it, but uh, my sense is that I think this team is capable of being on the fringe of the playoff conversation. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I yeah, think I that, that that requires a 500 team to be on that fringe. Mm. And I said, I think they can get there. I mean, I, I think, oh, and, that, I, and I agree with that. But, I mean, but to say uh, I'll be disappointed if they win 37 games, um, I don't think that would be what my position is. <laughs> and we're, we're uh, talking about, you know, to, to clarify here, we're, we're yeah. talking about this team, the, yeah. the roster from last year, minus, uh, you know, Ed Davis, Jordan McLaughlin, and you're adding the Andrew Palmaro. That that's, that's what it, we're, we're exactly, about. exactly. And, and I do think the potential is there to have, there are 41 win teams and there are 41 win teams, a 41 win <laughs> team that is, you know, sorting out the D'Lo ant cat dynamic on both sides of the ball and that slots Jade McDaniels into a position and a role that is consistent um, that uh, figures out Malik Beasley's uh, place either in the starting lineup or off the bench and also determines what we get for Ricky Rubio, or if what we get for Ricky Rubio is more of the same, his presence here. I mean, all of those things are slight variables that if most of them tilted positive, I can definitely see a 500 win team. I mean, yeah. 500 team, 500 and, wins would be a little rough. 
<laughs> I, I think for me, it, the uh, kind of the biggest thing that leads to that happening, um, or maybe even exceeding that and being an over 500 team, is D'Angelo Russell and and him <laughs> being even better than he was down these, which was good. Down yeah, these, these 20 you've games. always that, remained an optimist about D'Angelo Russell, and I give you credit for that. Um, well, I don't even know if this is me being optimistic in this situation. I've been higher on D'Angelo Russell, I think, than uh-huh. than most people. Yeah. I just think that my view of this roster, as is assessing it, like the temperature of it, is it does not have enough talent. Uh-huh. Well, certainly not enough balanced talent. And I think mm-hmm. the one player on this team that if next year happens and I we go, that guy has produced through a lot more talent than we might have previously thought. Uh-huh. It, it's D'Angelo Russell, if that makes sense. And, and, you know, Ant has the ability to leap based on, like, age. Right, right. McDaniels has some of that, too. But I guess of the, like, adult adults on the roster, um, I would, I'm would. i not saying I would, like, bet on it. But I, I could see D'Angelo Russell having, like, a... You remember, like, Mike Conley would... Always yeah. not yeah. make the all-star team like right. that level of point guard in the West. But right. you're like, man, you for sure be up. like I, I I totally see that ceiling um for DeAndre Russell, which I think is a really damn good player. Yes. And I seeing is believing when it comes to defense, obviously. And uh uh <laughs> it's always and, the ellipsis then that comes up. And and that to me a key aspect of this coming season, quite obviously, and I'm at, we've, I, I think I said this the last time we were on together, is if, in fact, defense is effort, and that's what the new defensive guy, Joseph Blair, is, is, is saying, effort over scheme, really, which I think is absolutely dead on. Mm-hmm. Um, he's pointing at you, D'Angelo Russell, and Carl Anthony Towns and Anthony Edwards, the three guys who are going to be the crux of a very, very strong offense, all have to be massively improved on defense. D'Lo, the most improved, Ant, significantly improved, and Cat, continuing what I thought was an improvement last year, but still has a ways to go. So that, to me, I would agree with you in the sense that if we're looking at where five to seven wins get made up over last year with existing status quo, it will be defensive effort and married to scheme uh, and continuity. And uh, let's face it, when the great thing about a team quickening into something good is that it's like making a jigsaw puzzle. You know, you get the corners, you start to fill in a little bit. The other pieces become much easier. And so once you identify what you don't have yet, after you have some really good core stuff, uh, then that's the fun part. The quickening happens. Well, if you suck on defense, the quickening never happens. You know, I mean, you can, you can get, the pinnacle of what you get is like making the playoffs on the last day of the season with the third ranked defense and the 24th, I mean, third ranked offense and the 24th ranked defense, which is what happened during the Tibbs Taj, Butler, yeah. Tibbs Taj Butler uh, period. 
Um, but that is sustainable. And so, you know, there you go. So I, I want to get to, I thought the two questions you asked Rosa's were, were really interesting. Let's take a quick break and then, and then get to those. The NBA Finals are here, and this summer's betting action is heating up with my friends over at BetUS. Looking at some of the odds over at BetUS today, they have the Suns as relatively heavy favorites to win the championship after winning Game 1. The Suns were minus 160 money line favorites before the series started, and that is already up to minus 290 at BetUS. So if you're a Bucks believer, this is a good time to get in on them. The Bucks are now plus 260 underdogs in the series. And if I were going to bet on the Bucks, I'd actually take a look at the MVP odds for Giannis. You can get plus 375 at BetUS on Giannis winning the MVP. That's kind of where I would seem to see some value in it. I think if the Bucs win, Giannis wins MVP. And with the UFC, MLB, golf, Summer Olympics, football season all just around the corner, you need a sports book with great payouts. BetUS has the industry's biggest bonuses and every kind of bet type you could dream of. BetUS has been a pioneer in online betting for over 25 years and pride themselves on being America's favorite sports book. So take advantage of this action-packed summer and sign up today at BetUS.com. That's BetUS.com or 1-800-69-BETUS. Again, receive 125% sign-up bonus when you use the promo code DANE125. If you miss tip-off, forget to bet. That's not a problem. BetUS has live betting all the way up to the final buzzer. I think it's too early to bet on the NFL at BetUS. Week 1 lines are already live for you to bet on. If you want to play in the casino, they got blackjack, reels, everything you could do. Hundreds of games in the BetUS casino. I bet at BetUS, and so should you. Join now by calling 1-800-69-BETUS or online at BetUS.com. BetUS, you bet, you win, you get paid. We make USAA insurance for veterans like Liz and Mike. When they got a bigger car for their soon-to-be-bigger family, USAA helped them get covered and find savings. That was the easy part. USAA, which you're made of, we're made for. So, Britt, your first question uh, to Gerson Rosas, I guess it was a, it was kind of a two-part question, but the, the first thing you asked about um, was what Gerson Rosas' opinion was in regards to this roster needing veteran leadership. Um, I thought Rosas gave a very interesting answer to that, but first, I guess I just want to ask you, where what's the genesis of you needing to ask that question outside of just maybe the simple belief where you're like, this team obviously needs veteran leadership. Um, I thought it might give me a window into what he was thinking about Rubio going forward, since Rubio mm -hmm. is the veteran leader on the team and is the most likely puntable piece, in my view. He's mm -hmm. coming to the end of a $17, 18000000 million a year contract. Um, and also does have you know, legit value in terms of quote unquote veteran leadership because Anthony Edwards swears by him, you know, unasked, he volunteers how much he loves Ricky Rubio on a regular basis. And so, and Rubio for his part, you know, gives as good as he gets in this department. So that's, that's cool. Um, but I also think that this roster, Carl Anthony Townsend, D'Angelo Russell are suspect leaders not necessarily through any fault of their own. It, they just don't have that natural leader gene that seems. Or natural. we haven't seen that show up yet in a way that has. Yeah, that's that's an optimistic yeah. way of looking at it, right? And so, um, and so, is how much is the organization aware of that? It, it's less important now that Finch is on instead of Ryan Saunders because. Uh, 
it's one thing to uh, have a, a, a callow coach as well as no leadership, uh, you know, veteran leadership. Uh, Finch has filled some of that leadership void just by being, I think, a very forceful, accountable guy. I mean, if you don't play well, you might not play in the fourth quarter. Um, that that's that's almost as good as having a a, a good leader in the locker room. Um, players know where they stand right. in terms of accountability. Um, so that was the reason I asked the question. And then also just in terms of roster building, um, you know, do you want to shake things up? Because this team, as you just mentioned, has the potential. I mean, Katz and D'Lo, I think, are in their sixth, seventh year or something. It isn't like they're young anymore. <laughs> no, right. You know, And so veteran leadership uh, <clears throat> is an interesting catchphrase. Uh, well, I thought, okay, so what Rosa said was um, that adding veteran leadership was, quote, a high, high priority on our list right. this, this offseason, but with the caveat of, those vets got to be able to play. Yeah, no figureheads. Yeah, no, and so no more Ed Davises. Yeah, and he was like, "Well, you know, Ed Davis kind of it was." Well, he was threw some, a bone, Ed Davis, because he yeah. asked him. Well, yeah, and, and and Ed Davis probably deserves that bone. Just well, whatever. you know, whatever. I guess you know. Yeah, but what we were saying was not that we need we need guys who can can play. Yeah, because he it was literally said that. Yeah, he was like, when I asked him about. Um, why the plan isn't to continue to stock the cupboards with uh, with young players anymore. Right, right. Uh, he was like, well, the reality of the situation is, you know, if we brought in a second rounder or a late first rounder right now, they would be lower on the totem pole than, you know, your Nas Reeds, your Jared Vanderbilt, your Jade McDaniels. They wouldn't have a – if you brought in the 33rd overall pick, they wouldn't have a chance to play here. That's Let true, me but – okay. Let me finish it. Let me finish it. And and so so what he was then getting at with the veteran thing, to your point, was you need guys who can who can come in and obviously be above the Nas Reeds, the Jared Vanderbilt's and those sort of things. So a rookie would have a glass ceiling. The veterans they have to have have to be above that glass ceiling by a discernible margin. I think that is a good interpretation. I think the other aspect of his answer to your question was actually the most exciting thing he said in the entire time, which was we're, you know, we were assembling pieces before now we're at the stage where we're trying to figure out who to keep and who to punt. Yep. I mean, that's pretty much what he said. It's, you know, we, we are in the yeah. next stage. We are in the stage now of not determining what kind of talent we're going to gather we're determining what pieces we don't want anymore that we can leverage into pieces we really do want. And that's, that's a, that's a cool mindset. That's an optimistic mindset about what he can pivot to now um, that I think that will be actually the thing that either will be very prescient or won't age well. Uh, sure. Can he, I mean, what we're really talking about there is Malik Beasley, perhaps D'Angelo Russell, maybe even Cat. Uh, in terms of people, he suddenly says, "All right, we have some core here. Now let's get serious. Let's start to, you know, you've talked about this being the summer 
of the Rosa tsunami, you know, for a while now. And, you know, I think he would probably like to do that if his hands weren't tied. And so the question becomes, I mean, Kenny, you know, we just poo pooed it. Where do you aim the waves? That's yeah, kind of the, right, 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 exactly. And so, but I do think that was a really interesting answer, and that was in in, in answer to your question. I mean, you you were saying, you know, why, uh, you know, as you characterized it before, you know, why are we going away from youth? And he was saying, look, our youth is there. Um, now we need people if they're. If we're going to add significantly, we're not going to be adding along that line. I asked him about the dual timeline was the second part of my question. Right. Let, and, let's do that. But with the veteran leadership part, okay, first, the one okay, part sure. we didn't hit on is I, I think people are confused as to whether just because I was feel, a couple like emails and, you know, Twitter interactions and stuff like that um, of whether Rosas believes Rubio passes that level that like proverbial line in the sand where he is above those guys and is thus a vet who can play is that was it your perception that the way Rosa's characterized this that Rubio is in fact one of those vets who you would want to have because he he's not only a vet but he can also play absolutely that's absolutely the impression he tried to leave um and whether or not he actually believes that. I don't know, but I know it is certainly in his interest to talk up Ricky Rubio right now. Right. Uh, because, you know, I mean, again, if Rosas wants to do big things and Rosas does, I don't think it, when, when we called the, the whole thing a smokescreen, it wasn't because we don't think Rosas is itching to do something. It's mm -hmm. because we don't think Rosas can do something under the current scheme. But if he winds up, he can do something, then I think Ricky Rubio is almost certainly a part of it. Um, you know, and, and he did say, you know, I mean, uh, we, we've already had conversations and the, these type, the kind of veteran we would need would require a player, you know, who, you know, is a, at a premium and, you know, we would have to think about, you know, you know, and I'm thinking Jade McDaniels as he's talking like that. You know, I mean, that's that's the kind of it's the, the kind of premium the Wolves have right now isn't like gaudy stars. It's guys who, you know, quicken the pulse of team builders. You know, Oklahoma City going after Jade McDaniels yeah. would be almost as interesting as you know, what Philly wants for Ben Simmons in some ways, you know? Well, I mean, this is kind of an aside, but if I was Sam Presti, that's exactly what I would be doing right now. Just trying to pick up some of those type of dudes uh, along the way, you know, <laughs> like throw out a couple bucks here and there. So you're like not all waiting until, till the very end. And I, you know, and I don't, I'm not saying the Wolves should trade Jade McDaniels, right? but, th but to your point, those are kind of, we always think about GMs or presidents of basketball operations trading for that second or third star to add add to their team. When really, um, below that, the most impactful types of players to trade for are young players who are not yet there, but are on cheap contracts and have the potential to either get there or to be an extremely valuable quote unquote um, role player. And it, it's, Yes, I think Rosas wants to do the star hunting thing, but 
I think he also wants that. You know what I mean? Right, right, and, right. Uh, well, it's another path. It's I mean, another path. If you have three guys who can, at least now, it could all evaporate into smoke, you know, with a with a bad season. But right now, you can make with you could say with a straight face that Ant, Cat, and D'Lo are your big three moving forward. They're all young enough. They're all uh, big flat. enough. They've all flashed, you yeah, know, for sure. enough stuff so that you, you could say, yeah, all right. You know, the wolves are riding with those three and they're going to be building around it. They've got a McDaniels. They got a ball marrow. They got a Beasley, right. you know, ta-da, ta-da, ta-da. Um, you could, you could squint and make something um, sound pretty good. But, Which ties into your timelines. Exactly. Your timeline thing. And that, and I, See, I've said it many times. I think the timeline thing, I myself don't get it. I, I think that the the rosters are too dynamic anymore. You know, roster construction is is a two or three year process tops. Um, and so worrying about timelines because somebody's 29 and somebody's 23 um, doesn't make sense to me. Um, or 27 and 20 in this case or whatever. And my pushback always to you is it's not about age. It's about where they're at in their contract. Cause I uh-huh. do believe right, I right. do buy into the timeline conversation and, and the way you functionally phrased it to Rosa's was, you know, can you do go both. into the cat and D timeline while also going into the ant and Jaden timeline was right. Was right. what you said. And he understood the meaning of that question too. He he did because you weren't that you weren't that d- direct with it. And 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 what he he basically said was what Ant and Jaden did this year made me think about really looking at that being the primary timeline. Right. But then he said, "What was the word he used? We need he, to be he backtracked flexible. in a hurry. Yeah, we need to stay flexible right, right, and, right. and 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 you know and." He said we can jump back and forth between the two timelines, and, and all, yeah, which indicates that you know, if need be, I'll throw Ant and J Mac under the bus. You know, yeah. And I just th- to, again, to me, in my opinion, that is a terrible idea. Right. I I think I whatever path you want to choose, you need to choose a damn path. You need to say it's the Cat and D'Lo path, and we're going for it, and it's. Or it's the Ant and Jaden path we're going for. And that doesn't mean you, you choose the Cat and D'Lo path and you trade Ant. I'm not saying right, that. Right, right. What are you prioritizing? What are you aiming at? This team doesn't have enough resources, talent, a whole bunch of things weighing it down that you don't you can't you can't linger between the two. You you can't. It's going to See, I think you we need disagree to put about all that. the research. Yeah, right. I and, and I feel uh, you pretty know, strongly about it. Well, and you, you're you have a more of a general manager bent than I do. I'm much more of a uh, coach's bent, or you know, I don't know, schmo on the sidelines bent. But uh, essentially, <laughs> clear, we're both schmoes. We're both well, schmoes okay. on the sidelines. Yeah, but, but yes. I mean, you know, you, yeah, you, I know. You, isn't your master's thesis about the salary cap? I mean, let's <laughs> not, you know. <laughs> Not masters, but yes, thesis. Okay, yes. all right, thesis, all right. But so anyway, the point is, you know the inner workings of that kind of stuff better than I do. And yeah, but prob- Brent, that's not even what I'm getting at, man. It's just it's this it's the idea. You know what I'm talking about? You're you're I know. expending resources in both paths when you only have a finite amount of resources. But Phoenix shifted to a 36 year old point guard and is, is on the cusp of winning a ring. 
I mean, and 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 uh, so did the Timberwolves. The Timberwolves did the same thing with Jimmy Butler. And the, the amount, same thing with Jimmy Butler. And the amount of treasure doesn't always work. The amount of treasure that the Bucks forked over for Drew Holiday was enormous. Uh, he's the you know arguably the third ring in that big three. Um, yeah. You know, and yet what? How many draft choices? You know, I mean, it's yeah, just. It's like- Three, maybe four, I think, or yeah. three in a swap or something. Yeah. yeah, you're right. And so, again, it's. Um, but I'm I'm about that wrecks it. Wrecks the timeline. <laughs> I, no, it's picking a path. I right, right. I don't mind that for Milwaukee. Okay. I don't. Okay. And and they might get fucked. Like right. like right. if this doesn't work, and now they got thirty. Oh, they have Giannis for four years. So yeah, yeah. but. Just kind of again running into that no, I, wall right, of, right, right. of you know Middleton makes a ton, Holiday makes a ton, whatever. Like, right. I I just again, and I might be wrong. It's just the way my mind looks at these things is choose a path mm-hmm. and and invest in it. And there's multiple paths that can work. I just think, yeah, I'm repeating myself, but I just think you. Okay, so you let's get into da- let's get into the dangerous territory of um, if you were dismantling the D'Lo cat path, yeah, it's... how do you approach that? Would Ant be better off with cat as the primary leftover or D'Lo as the primary leftover? Cat, because cat's a lot better. Okay. So, um, and what would you want to try to acquire for the D'Lo piece that would compliment Ant and Cat. Yeah, I mean somebody I, like I Ben Simmons, I imagine. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> I don't think it's about. Um, again, I. I don't think if you're prioritizing. And again, I'm not saying the Ant and Jaden path right, is the path. Right. right, right. No, I can, know. I think it, I would for sure say the Ant and Jaden path was the path if you got a top three pick here. That I don't even think that would be really. Well, I'd have a much more aggressive argument with you if you're uh-huh. if you're arguing against that. But where where you stand right now, I I, I don't think it's about. It's Ant and Jaden, and we you dump Cat, and you trade you trade D'Lo. You just start leaning your considerations towards what's the best for for those two, you know, three four years down the line. In the meantime, they're still playing with Cat and D'Lo. You're still going. You're just not making any sort of all in move to further bolster Cat and and D'Lo at the at the sake of future draft picks and that sort of thing. Like that is the leaning into the. The, the ant and Jaden window. There's also okay. the leaning into the cat and dealer window, which I'm I'm also I'm very open to as well. As right. long as you lean, just right. don't don't stay in the middle. Okay, given that, given what you've said, I would definitely lean Aunt Jaden simply because I think what what's exciting for me this year as a prospect would be to see cat continue this transformation which is happening more in his mind than it is in reality right now but is still willing to be executed to some extent i think his cat becomes much more of a dirty work star he becomes a guy who um is better on defense uh because he works harder and has more responsibilities it isn't simply drop coverage uh stays in the low post more than uh, the arc and, and uh, you know, dishes assists or yeah, gets makes on, the path, gets pass. on the high point, you know, gets mm-hmm. on the high, high uh, pick and roll, 
Um, it spreads the floor uh, for the other guys rather than himself. Still shoots, you know, obviously mm. greatly, but suddenly becomes um, more Bam out of bio than Jimmy Butler in terms of an offense, you know, sure. in terms of being a, a, a very, very capable complement rather than the straw that stirs the drink. If that can happen, and one of the ways that's allowed to happen is a cat rehabilitates his defensive reputation um this team could could have a really interesting look if in also blair and finch can engage delo into something approaching mediocrity uh on defense then you've got because you know that, that those three are going to score when they have the ball yeah. you know uh and you know beasley maybe also uh, you could use Okogi, you can use McDaniels, you know, you got pieces. Uh, you might be able to not be blowing smoke when you talk about 15th in defense. Mm -hmm. You know, if this team is like seventh on offense and 15th on defense with its existing personnel, that is the 41 win team I'm talking about as somebody who might sniff the Western Conference playoffs. Well, I think one thing we're aligned on is regardless of which timeline you do pick, whether it's the Ant and Jaded timeline or the Cat and Delo timeline, ultimately, Cat needs to be your number two or your one B on your team. Right. And, and that's, and that re that's that no shade on him. That's no shade. That's like how many, there's, I will not, tell there's you, just not a lot of ones. And not only that, but if in fact that comes to pass, that is a great, I mean, that's, that's a John Krasinski story waiting to happen. You know I mean? That, that's a, uh, you know, uh, an evolution into something uh, theoretically a step back when in fact it is a step forward in value. You know, it's the and opposite. And then the ideally the dreamy greener pastures is it looks like Anthony Davis and LeBron, Right. Right. Where where AD went and became 1B, and then as it kind of plays out in the playoffs, it's like, well, you know, AD hits that big shot. AD was dominant in the finals, and yes, it's LeBron's team because he's LeBron, but I'm still maybe the best player on this team. You know, that's the narrative you want to kind of like click into in – in some sort of way, <laughs> not to compare like yeah. Anthony Davis to LeBron or something like that, but that is the, that is the, like the, or, or, Anthony or Edwards to LeBron. you know, yeah. I mean, it would have been interesting to see how this played out in Philly in a different way. Simmons and Embiid is an interesting dynamic, yeah, you right. know, um, who knows if Ben Simmons would have become what he became if Embiid wasn't so greedy in terms of both the credit and the, uh, I mean, Embiid shot selection still sucks, you know, a lot of the time. And as great as he is on, as great as he is on defense, uh, his defensive prowess is set up by Simmons a lot more than vice versa. Uh, you know, right. I mean, Simmons isn't, benefiting from letting his guy go by him and funneling him into Embiid. It is that Embiid gets to patrol because many guys, Simmons especially the, the, the point of attack control. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. so um, that dynamic 
should not have been so clearly Embiid 1A and Simmons 1B. And I think that ultimately hurt the Sixers. See, and now this is what I think is interesting with the, with the whole the whole cat thing with the common names that we're throwing out a bunch. And I'm right. sure a bunch of people listening to this disagree with the idea that camp cat isn't a number one, and that we're you know we're yeah no short exactly. Mm-hmm. Right. But but I I would I know that a lot of people do agree with agree with what we're saying right here, and a lot of those people, <laughs> myself included, are also the ones who are excited about trading for a Ben Simmons, trading for a Miles Turner, trading for a John Collins. By all means, and by going. And by going and getting one of those guys, you're almost affirming Cat's spot as a number one because Cat, because those players are all clearly below Cat and have no path to becoming the best player above him. But they are not above Anthony Edwards. Mm-hmm. Wait. That, see, that's where I th- I mean, you go get a Ben Simmons or a John Collins because – You've got suddenly uh, a, a, another guy. It's almost like Middleton uh, uh, and Holiday versus Giannis. In a in a perfect world, um, Edwards ascends to no doubt one A status, a la Giannis, and Cat and a third guy, whether it's D'Lo rising or somebody you trade for. Mm-hmm hold down very, very reputable 1B and 1BA, uh, (laughs) you know, uh, slots. Yeah, no, Middleton and and Holiday is a good example there. Yeah. And so if you have that, you know, because let's face it, you can make a case that, you know, Chris Middleton at at the end of the game, you want the ball in in Chris Middleton's hands. Right. And and when it comes to – Going back on defense and uh, a guy dribbling the ball at the top of the key, you want Drew Holiday on that guy more than Giannis and more than uh, Middleton. Uh, you know, you want him to stop the guy who's going to take the big shot unless the guy penetrates. And then, you know, obviously Giannis. But I don't think Giannis is the guy as a perimeter defender who's going to be better than, than Drew Holiday most of the time. I have a question for you, just to kind of thinking out loud here. Yeah. So let, let's let's take the let's take the ant becomes a one A guy. All right. Path that yep. let's let's book that. Let's say three years from now, Anthony Edwards is twenty three years old and um, is is a clear one A guy in the league. Is clearly Kath, a, a Donovan Mitchell, uh, Devin Booker type. Sure. Um, and <laughs> I guess we're going to ignore contracts for for the sake of this conversation because Cat will have contract will have expired by then. But well, Kat, see, it gets back to my controversial statement before, doesn't it? <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> but that's just, it's just, it's, it's, it's the middle of July. We're going to have a, all right, all right, a, all right. a not totally logical conversation. 1A is Ant. Cat is your 1B. Which of the Simmons, Collins, Turner is the best 1C in that situation? Um, if I don't have to worry about what I have to give up to get him, Simmons, without a doubt. Yeah. I mean, I would love to have Ben Simmons between Cat and Ant. I mean, that's he's almost like the perfect guy. Yeah. Uh, but what you have to you have to give up more to get him than you do Collins and Turner. So, uh, and I would. I mean, I would give up D'Lo Beasley. I might even 
I don't know if I'd slide to one number one pick. I couldn't do multiple number one picks, but I don't think you're going to get them. Yeah, you're not. Yeah. You know, and so again, so what, you know, I, I feel like every time we talk, like <laughs> I, I'm, I'm more into whatever, my whole big archetype thing. I, I'm more into one or the other. I'm back in on Turner. I'm back in on All right. that. Good for you. Because, I, I, I mean, I, it's the he, cheapest one. It's the cheapest exactly. one. Exactly. It's the cheapest one. Right, right. It is the cheapest one. Which kind of fits what we were talking about with this idea that this offseason might be a relatively quiet one. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. Where, where you were like, well, the quiet offseason is the seventh man, you know, and we you right. kind of right. have that, and it's largely right. this group, where the loud one is obviously Ben Simmons, you know? Or even Turner. I mean, Turner would be loud. Yeah, but it's a little quieter. Yeah, a little quieter, but uh, believe me, people would get excited. If we suddenly had a, a rim protector next to Cat and Cat was, uh, you know, able to get into put up or shut up mode about how well mm-hmm. he can go out there and guard wings, um, I'm for that. I, I will I was, tell you. Yeah, I was talking to uh, someone from another team this week and, you know, just. Right, my all like, oh, what do you think about this wolves, this wolves, this wolves. Right, and um, this person was just Miles Turner is the obvious move that would be that like just such a believer in what that imp- and I was like, yes, you you totally you know totally speaking my language of of what I already think, but it was just it it got it got me back on the train. It got me back on the train where I'm just like the rim protector idea. I like it. Let's see. What will um, let's it take? See what Cat can do. That was that was part of the conversation, and you know what it was kind of like: is McDaniel's in it or not? Right? And I don't see how he isn't. Yeah. Well, this is what I've always said for the framework of that deal: is it's very similar to the framework of the Aaron Gordon to Denver trade at the deadline, yeah, yeah. which was which was Gary Harris, which is an expiring twenty million, so that's functionally right. Rubio. Um, it was a young player in on a rookie contract, RJ Hampton. And then it was a future protected first round pick. The Wolves can easily put together a package like that with Rubio Better being their Gary Harris. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And they can, you know, they can throw in a future protected first. They have all their, their picks going forward. And then the question becomes, you know, RJ Hampton versus Jade McDaniels, right? Um, and and Jade McDaniels is obviously his star as a much ascended. better. Yeah, but it, yeah, right. I, yeah. I've never liked RJ Hampton. Yeah, but I mean, come on. He's what has he played like twenty five games in the NBA? I don't know. I, I I liked him a little bit coming out. Um, but what whatever. You're you're still totally right that that is that is more. I think the question Wolves fans again, as we you know optimistically like to do, is like, well, how do we find a way to do it without giving up the player we like, uh, without the Jade McDaniel's, and that's you know that's what the hard part is. Is um, Josh Okogie? That's that that's not that. You know, what if you substitute Beasley for Rubio? Yeah. I mean, that's not an expiring and that mm-hmm. gives them a, a you know, a, a stone shooter um, with McDermott's ex- McDermott's a free agent. Right. They don't have that anymore. Yeah. Um, um, and and Brogdon is expensive. So, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and Sabonis is expensive. Um, so you you are. If you're Indiana, you're sacrificing. I mean, one of the uh, obviously a lures of Rubio is you get, you get flexibility. Um, how much yeah, is but really, Turner? But really with Malik, it's only one more year after this. And then it's the team option, right? Yeah. 
But I mean, again, why yeah, would it's not free? Agent? Yeah, yeah. Um, what were you just saying? So, how much is Turner making? Eighteen this year, eighteen next year, and that's Two years, it. Thirty six right? left. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um. So you're saying and- you would do this? Okay. So I'm Pritchard, right? He's the GM. Kevin Pritchard there, and he says, "I want Malik Beasley. I want a future protected first round pick and Jade McDaniel's." Jade McDaniel. Well, I think that for sure. I'm taking or I'm taking that as the Pacers. I think if you bump bump it up to Beasley, now you can go less with your your young prospect. You can Culver, Akobe. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. There's a limited amount of options. Let me don't see. Laugh. You can have you can have Rubio, McDaniel's, or Beasley and Culver. Let me think about that. Stop. No, I'm serious. Okay. So. No, you're not. You're uh, not serious if you have Jared Culver as like uh, a sweetener. I'm trying. I'm trying to. I clicked the wrong button on the trade machine. <laughs> um, I don't know. Beasley. Beasley, Okogie, Beasley. Okay. Beasley, if Nas. They love and, their, their big bookends. You know, I mean. If he's, better than, to... he's better than Batadze. Yeah, I know. But, I mean, Batadze, you know, he had that fantastic game against the Wolves. <laughs> that's true um okay so beasley nas and a future protected first round pick do you think indiana does that no no i actually think that um turner's value is even higher than what i'm than the gordon level that i'm suggesting well who's their coach they just hired a new coach rick carlisle <laughs> rick carlisle so yeah. uh that's i think a jade mcdaniels might work for rick carlisle a little dorian finney smith action Exactly. Or yeah. Maxi Kleber for that matter. Yeah, you true, know? True. Um whereas um Malik Beasley, you know, I mean that's Tim Hardaway the, Jr. They traded Seth Curry for Richardson. I mean, you know, well, that Carlisle was, might not have, but yeah, I don't know. I think that Carl will probably he he yeah. definitely endorsed the guy who made the trade. I mean, when Nelson right. left, he left. So uh, anyway, um he may also be intrigued, as most every coach would be, by the idea of trying to make Sabonis and Turner work in some fashion. Um, and they have Karis Levert. Yeah. Your guy. Your guy. <laughs> you always, whatever. <laughs> you love whatever. Karis Levert, man. Yeah, well, let's give him some time. Let's and that's, a, that's an interesting core. Brogdon, Levert, Sabonis, and Turner – in the East is a playoff team and um, and they're going to have a pick this year, you know, in the lottery at the end of the lottery um, and Carlisle. I mean, I'd stand Pat if I'm in the end, quite frankly, I don't think you want to uh, or demand it. Rubio McDaniels and a future first. Yeah. But even then, yeah, actually that would uh, Rubio you do that Mc- if you're the Pacers. Ruby I don't know. I don't know. See, that's yeah. what I don't know. I don't know how much. I think given what the Pacers have, Sabonis is more overvalued than Turner. Sabonis has some really good things about him, but he cannot defend. Mm-hmm. And uh, Turner's weaknesses on offense, uh, I think... I don't know. I mean, I still think at the end of the day, Indiana 
should run back what they have with a well if they if they hit the draft mm-hmm. that's not an old team um you might you know you're in danger maybe a year from now uh you can get miles turner for cheap um sure so i don't know i mean uh, um but back to your your point your point about turner um next to cat I just think the Cat Edwards thing cries out for a very there's a lot of players who look really good between Cat and and Ant because if you can defend and you can hit an open shot and you can uh you know you're one of those veterans that Rosas talked about um hey you know that's that's good stuff. Now, can they get them? I can, just... Yeah, can they get them? And and Collins, I mean, obviously Collins is a guy that won't be won't be gone anytime soon. Um, he kind of played himself into uh, a future in Atlanta, long term future, and as he should have. I mean, you know, he transformed himself into being from being Trey's first option pick and roll option to being a pick and pop guy who's very good and a corner three marksman to some extent. Um, in addition the, the, to at their end of season press conference, I was reading on the athletic, um, the owner spoke and so did Schlenk, the Hawks GM. And it did not seem like a foregone conclusion. It was a, we hope John's back sort of thing. And very much was like hinting at the, we can't pay him the max. So, you know, I obviously whatever it's it's on the record commentary, so that it always has a million different motivations. But right. um, I don't know. I, I, I we we sometimes do that thing where things go well, and then we guarantee like well before the playoffs wasn't the assumption more likely than not that Collins would leave versus stay in Atlanta, probably mm-hmm. right fifty. So it was a great playoffs, and he showed that he fits even better than we imagined, but I don't think that boosts it from 50-50 to 95. And also, I think Max gets tossed around. That's one of the reasons I said it's not no guarantee that Cat gets the Max on his next deal. I think Max contracts, that's going to be one of the things that is going to begin to happen in the NBA, is that teams are going to start to flinch on all these multiple Max contracts that tie their hands. I think, I think it's far better to get somebody for it 12. It makes a lot more sense to flinch at a John Collins max than it makes to get a flinch at a Carl Anthony Towns max. Yeah, I would agree You're with that. Different levels. You're right. I mean, unless, your point, unless he's your one C at that point. Yeah. I mean, I, I see no world in which Carl Anthony Towns doesn't get a max. Granted, it's the John Collins is coming off the rookie scale deal. So it's the 25% max. Uh-huh. So that's, you know, that's going to be a lot less. That's like a, the 30 some million dollars a year. Cat right. will be getting the 30% max, which is now like 42. 40. Yeah, 42 million a year. Or if he makes all NBA, two of the next three years or wins defensive player of the year or wins MVP, then he's then he's the super max eligible, which is 35%. Right. And now we're at like the 50 a, a la uh, Damian Lillard. Okay, in, let, in let's say he continues to be stuck behind uh, Jokic, Embiid, and probably Gobert. Mm-hmm. 
and he's only eligible for 42 a year. Yeah, the 30, yeah, the 30%. I think that's yeah. most likely. Yeah. And and you would gladly pay him $42 million a year two years from now. Yeah. Yeah, because because okay, at that okay. point, you I mean, it's still, it's still going to be bearing some, him like breaking his gigantic feet or something like that. It's it's a movable deal. It's just, I mean, it's like, I mean, just like the, the Chris Paul right. deal kind of proved to be, not to say he's right. on the same no, level as Chris Paul, but it's... We'll I see. Think, I'm yeah. comfortable seeing how that plays out. Right, right. Um, no, it, it, is a, it is a good point because it's like the same thing with the Wolves. You know, it's the being okay with D'Lo at $30 million as well. On a, he's on the 25% max. Yeah. And not that D'Lo's a bad player. It's a cumbersome contract, though. Yes, exactly right. Yeah, I, I mean, we always have to say, I don't think Carl Anthony Towns is a bad player. In but, fact, yeah. I, I think there's a, there's a real... There's a chance that he will mature into something less glitzy and more valuable. Uh, that's what I hope for him. I think mm-hmm. that's what one of the things I see. And if if Chris Finch and Anthony Edwards fulfill their respective potentials, sure. then the idea of Carl Anthony Towns being um, a proud glue guy, super glue guy, uh, in his own mind, which is the only way you're really going to make that happen, um, then uh, then that would be wonderful. That would be wonderful. It would be. Well, Britt, um, I think we we kind of touched on the Gerson Rosa's press conference. Uh, well, we can all... keep going with it. I mean, I think, yeah, we... I think it was I, – I feel like – I don't know. I feel like we, we, we hit on it pretty good. Is there anything else that stood out from you to you from that? I think – what is going to be interesting is he did say, you know, we might come in on the draft. We haven't talked about that. Let's say, do you see any possibility of the Wolves trading existing resources to get into the draft at, say, like 10 or, or no. 15? Zero percent. Zero percent that high. Even I if think- it's your guy, Beasley, because you like to pump Beasley every now and then. Yeah, I just I don't even think that doesn't get you a lottery pick. You're not getting a lottery pick from Link Beasley right now. A current lottery pick and the moment, cash in hand, you know, like no. Um and 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 I actually agree with Gerson what he's saying of the we got enough young guys. Right. <laughs> like right. I I don't I don't not that there aren't good prospects in this in this class. I actually I I've been watching, you know, the the top prospects film on those guys and I'm pretty into this class, but it's it, the Wolves are at a spot where they, they can't trade up from somewhere. They're trading right. all the way in. So I think if the Wolves um, get into this draft, it's going to be uh, the second round by buying a pick with cash or by trading a future second, though they don't have many of those because mm-hmm. they traded one of those to get to get Ed tomorrow, Davis. two of them to get Ed Davis, right. one of them also in the D'Angelo Russell Wiggins deal. Mm-hmm. Like They have not managed their second round picks well. But at least they don't I, I, sell them the way they used to. Yeah, well, that's true. Um, but I could, I, I could see that happening at the at the highest. What I could see happening is actually, I was doing one of these like live stream things, and somebody came on and brought this up. There's a lot of teams like OKC and um, who else? New Orleans. New Orleans. That have that have numerous picks in the first round. Have too many. Yeah, literally, I have too many. They're looking. So, they're looking for either stash. 
uh, options or they're looking to trade for, for a 2022 else. first or right, something right, down right, the line. Right. That is the highest I could see the Wolves getting. So I think uh-huh. like OKC's at like nine, like 16 and 19 or something. So maybe mm-hmm. like 19. Um, right. But I mean, at the end of the day, the Wolves got 13 guys under contract already with Bomaro. Like if you're going to be adding that, you're going to be adding in a rookie, you're going to be adding in somebody with the mid-level, the biannual, like you're going to, you know, you're going to be making a trade. Are you going to do all those things? Okay. Then where's your deal where you trade five players for one player? Like, Right, I, I don't know. Or who are you cutting? Are you cutting Jalen right. Noel, non-guaranteed contract? You're not cutting Nas Reed's non-guaranteed well, contract. Well, see, and that's that was the last thing I wanted to talk to you about, is that um, the the part where Rosa said, we're going to get to the point where we have to start culling the herd. Um, yeah. Uh, I'll go on record as saying that um, Okogi is really the only guy that I would be genuinely sorry to see go of the four through 12. Sure. What about you? Um, Nas. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I, I, I think it makes sense I know. to, you to hold, hold the on torch. to Nas. Right. Yeah. What if they uh, offered Karis LeVert for Nas? <laughs> those guys' contracts are a little bit different. Uh, <laughs> you dodge the question because you don't, no, what I think I, I would trade Nas Reed for Karis LeVert. <laughs> there you go. Uh, no, I, I think... I mean, I think you got some really cheap young pieces. Nas Reed and, and, and Jalen Noel there as well. I think the problem with the guys that I like on the roster at the bottom of the roster is they don't defend. You right. know? I, right. I like them. I, I, and I've you and I have gone back and forth about Nas Reed a ton before. I like go back and I watch like Nas reads. I think about it in the same way. If I, with the way when I'm watching you the like draft prospect, curve, right? Yeah, totally. I love what I, I, I like the, the, the path to development for him though. That path just probably doesn't include ever being an average defender. It just, it just, you know, it, it probably doesn't. So that's, so yeah, at, like at some point, would I put him in one of those trades? Like we were talking about as, as the young piece. Yeah. Like, um, I would. I I don't have the same. I guess I I like Josh Okogie, but I, I could see. I wouldn't be devastated to to lose him in right. in a trade there, and obviously Culver, sure. Like I right. don't, you know, but yeah, I, I guess I'm I'm kind of with you. Like I I won't be up in arms over any of the culling of the roster. Uh, Nas would be the biggest one that I would raise an eyebrow to because. I think he's the best prospect that they have um, out of that top tier of players. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm just curious because I do think that, um, you know, what if it is, uh, you know, uh, what if it's Nas Reed and a, a 2022 first rounder for a 10th pick in the draft this year? I would think that costs more than that uh, to get the 10th pick, but uh-huh. but to, uh, uh, let's say the 15th yeah. pick then. Yeah. Um, if this draft is as stocked as people think it is. Yeah. I mean, the, the reason I would do that trade as a Nas Reed stockholder is, is that 
you are getting a player on a rookie scale deal who who probably has more upside than Nas does. You have more team control over him than you would, you know, with with Nas Nas the rest of his you know, his career and um I mean the only the, the, the reason I'm like going against arguing against it in my own head is by trading that 2022 first round pick that's a that's a pick that you might can't be trade better for. Right, right yeah you you can't you you can't trade that for ben simmons you can't trade that for, right 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 and, right and i'd be concerned that the wolves would mess up that pick at 15 and that it would be you know it would it would lose right. value so um i mean that's why i'm kind of done with the draft for the wolves <laughs> like i i'm, to, I'm uh-huh. i am with rosas in this of like hey we don't have any seconds, um, but we got all our firsts left. When the time comes, let's let's put them in the middle and uh, and go make a go make a bigger move. The thing that I'm starting to question or wonder is new new ownership getting towards the end of Rosa's contract. How much freedom does he have to trade first round picks four, six, seven years down the road? Because if you're going to make a big trade. You need to, I mean, that's just how it works. You got to be trading every other year. You'd be right. trading a pick seven years down the road. And I would be very, I highly doubt Gerson Rosas has right now the the complete green light to just go and make potentially franchise altering decisions that impact seven years down the road. I, 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 bet, he, I bet he does. You bet he does have that freedom? Because I think that Glenn Taylor is a weird guy. Glenn Taylor is is somebody who is willing to do certain things, but is not willing to do certain things. And believe me, that 20% that they own now and, and the 20 more they will own does not mean that Glenn Taylor won't have a, sh- a shot to call here. Um, he will. He's. The guy is a self-made man. He's never been in partnership. No, but the good a- point here, Britt, is that it's like when you start talking about a trade like this, of this yeah. magnitude that right. is trading right. future assets, ownership is a part of this conversation. Yes, that is true. And, and I that, would I would I'm agree saying. with that. And, and I, I don't know who the hell owns the Timberwolves. And, so and it may, it may be confusing. that A-Rod and, and the other dude, um, Lori. Yep. Lori, could talk him into it. But yeah. I think that would be required. I think Glenn Taylor will jealously guard his veto power as long as he has it. And right, right now he has it. And so I think he's a Rosas guy. And so yeah. Rosas is safe for at least a year, maybe two, in terms of, I think, if not carte blanche, they're right up against the luxury tax again. I mean, you know, he put Taylor into the luxury tax right. on a terrible team. The first time Taylor has got to see this thing through now for a while. It's almost like, you know, not quite Jared Culver level, but it's interesting. (laughs) Wow. It's, it's interesting that um, Rosa's contract ends after two more seasons, which is basically the timeline when Glenn Taylor ends. Right. I guess it's like two and a half with Glenn. That's right. They're doing annual calendars, not NBA calendars, but right. Um, but by then he's he's effectively a lame duck. Taylor is, yeah, right. He's not going to be able to say, uh, uh, uh. We, you know, we're going to keep Rosas. They're going to say, look, you know, mm-hmm. we've already got forty percent of this team, and if you know, would you know, it would it would get ugly. 
Right. That that's and that's that's why this is all so very confusing because you nor I nor pretty much anyone knows much at all about Mark Laurie and Alex Rodriguez. Even I'm not even doing the moving thing. I'm just saying like, right. who, what are they like as owners of the Timberwolves? Are they going to be passive owners? Are they going to be very hands-on owners? Like the the answer to those questions determines a lot about the way this roster is constructed going forward and who stays around a trade for a big player, a re-signing of Carl Anthony Towns, to the max, a taking steps to um, cater to Anthony Edwards. So he signs his max extension. So we don't get to a Luka Doncic type situation there. Like right. ownership has plays a big role in that. I agree and, with that. And, and right now ownership is relatively a, I don't, I don't know if the question mark's the right word, but something we don't, we don't really understand. And I think that there are two types, there's many types of ownership, let's face it. But if you, if I'm, for the purposes of this conversation, I think you could break ownership down into businessmen and celebrities. Do you want to be a celebrity owner or do you want to be a businessman? I think we I got think, one of each. <laughs> I think Lori and A-Rod both are, would trend towards celebrity. I think Laurie wants, I mean, he's he's the big ideas guy. He's a marketer of himself, you know. See, he's a celebrity too. And I, so I, I was in that camp. Uh -huh. I was in that camp and just. I Conversations think, have yeah, changed I think, your mind? I think a, a little bit less so. I mean, uh -huh. he's, he's a billionaire who's a relatively young billionaire and he's friends with Alex Rodriguez. So there's. There's always going to be a little and bit of celebrity. And he wants to, you know, build a society of the future. Guys yeah. who talk like that are not businessmen. Yeah, I mean, I, I just, I'm just pushing back on that a little bit. No, I, I agree. I, I think, uh, I don't know, man. I, I, I kind of think Mark Laurie is a really important character in the future of the Minnesota Timberwolves. And I think he blows wonderful smoke rings. You know, mm -hmm. I, I, and, and that doesn't mean yeah. that he's oh, he's oh. bad. In fact, that's actually really kind of good quality to have as an owner. But right. I also think that at the end of the day, um, I think they could be talked into Ben Simmons. Um, <laughs> you know, yeah. let's put it that way. It's yeah. I mean, and I've, I've gone, I've gone both. There's a bunch of different ways to go with the ownership conversation. We already did the moving one. That's not what I'm doing right now. I'm talking about right. the, the hands-on approach and stuff. And right. Um, They'll be hands-on. And, and I think that's going to be critical. I think that's going to be critical to, to, not only salvage your organization, but to kind of sustain the things that you currently have in place, like Anthony Edwards. Um, I think ownership will play a, a really big role in that. And I'm curious because I mean, God, you think about how much, you know, in your head right now about Glenn Taylor, how many right. times, you know, right. right. It, it's, it takes up a stupid amount of your brain. Right. And, right. <laughs> and right now it's like the, the part of your brain that is Mark Laurie. It's the article you read about the, the thing of the future. Right. It's seeing some, uh, you know, a couple clips here and there and the exactly. idea of him, exactly. right? Like, and that's and the same it thing. It could be totally too. wrong. Right. Right. We just, we just, we just don't know. We're just doing our thing where we're, um, you know, talking out of our ass. <laughs> well, and, and <laughs> presenting our own prejudice or our own perception exactly. of, yeah, of, of the situation. That's a more genteel way to put it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, um, I'm excited. All right. To... I'll let you go now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited to talk to you about the, about the NBA finals, but we'll do, that, um, we'll do that. In a week or so. Yeah. Maybe after. So I think it's game three is on Sunday. So maybe we'll talk 
early we'll next talk week after that early next week but uh between that i, I think it's going to be a, a fun series in 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 i thought the first game was very competitive and should be fun to you know kind of see where it goes yeah i it's it's it was amazing to me the pushback from anti-milwaukee people it was so what a knee-jerk deal man i mean if chris paul plays like he played the last two games you know the final game of the conference finals and then then it's going to be over in like five but (laughs) i mean the dude i don't you know he may have that much sustain left in him but Mm -hmm. i think sooner or later he's going to go back to being a merely very good point guard and then things are going to get interesting Exactly. Exactly. And that's why we're, I mean, we're recording this on Thursday, right? So game two coming up tonight. And, um, and even, even if the Suns take care of business there too, it's like, right. it's kind of the norm, right? You win, yeah, you win right. the first two games. So at least, at least for the majority of that game, it felt very competitive. It, it hinted at the possibility that it could be a six or seven game series. Is that what I bet on? I'd probably take the under, but um, you know, right. I, it, it's, for for all the slander it's going to get about not being the best teams, I think it is going to be good. Games. Ah, screw that! I yeah. mean, you know, it's just Jesus. I know, I, yeah, I know. <laughs> you know, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you. And <laughs> last thing, no team has been able to slow down Aiden. No team. wild man. But what if he gets in foul trouble? I know. We're, we're going to talk about. We're going to turn off the, the the mics right now. Though we're going to talk about it because it's going to be so dated or whatever. But I'm curious to see what happens if DeAndre Ayton gets into foul trouble tonight because there's no Dario Saric behind him and you got Frank Kaminsky. Like what? You know, that's <laughs> right. a that's a that's a that's a big issue. But he's Britt Robson at Britt Robson. Follow him on Twitter. You can read him at the Athletic. I'm Dane Moore at Dane Moore NBA. Um, I'll be back tomorrow with a podcast with Will DeBerg on Jalen Green and Jonathan Kaminga. Um, until then, yep, I'm Dane. Peace out. How I'm feeling, man, I hope it never stop, yeah. Green it hard so you can find me in the crowd, yeah, yeah. Don't let standards ever, ever bring you down, yeah. When you make decisions for your company, you always look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing and shipping to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your process to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, books, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart if you sell online. Schedule package pickups through the dashboard and automatically see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are, even on the go. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other business decision makers with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage, and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.